you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you, Buck. It looks like you are uh, in Jayville. Uh, how's everything looking so far with the Jags? Everything is looking great in terms of just, look, you get a chance to see guys run around and practice. I will say, uh, offensively, the Jags look pretty good because Trevor Lawrence has really settled in. And you know it because you see it every week with the charges. Just the difference of bringing in an elite receiver. Calvin Ridley is an elite receiver. And what it does, is it changes the dynamics of the offense. Not only does it give Trevor Lawrence like a true number one on the perimeter, but it kind of resets the pecking order of the passing game. And so now you have Christian Kirk probably in his more natural position of being a number two, Zay Jones, a number three, Evan Ingram, being able to kind of fill in the gaps as a flex tight end. It just looks different when the offense is out there. And with Trevor Lawrence being in his second year under Doug Peterson, you can just feel a different level of confidence when you watch him and you see him perform. And so I think offensively this team is going to be good. It's going to come down to their defense in terms of how far they're able to go. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they look like uh, with Ridley in the mix. You know, throw him in with with a quarterback whose confidence is already starting to soar. I mean, I felt like last year was like, man, that was the goal for the Jags. Let's just get Trevor in a good frame of mind. Let's see some progress. And then he gave you some of those elite moments. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously, the comeback in the playoffs being at the top of the list. But you saw those glimpses. Now it's like, okay, can, can you get this out of him every week? And I think they needed a little bit more. Um, and I think Calvin Ridley throwing him in the mix – it's going to be a good DJ. offense, man. It's going to be a good offense. And the funny thing is because people haven't seen Calvin for two years, you kind of forget how good he is. Uh, when we talk about – I mean, remember we made this pivot on the podcast where we said, you know, wide receiver, yeah, I know about the fast thing and all that. I want the route runners. There's yeah. a difference when you have a route runner because the one thing about route runners, they can create explosive plays with intricate and creative routes. There are mm. things that a play designer can do to create explosive plays for them. Calvin Ridley can create and produce explosive plays, not because he overwhelms people with his physical gifts, but because he's so technical uh, in terms of how he creates separation, how he gets open. That'd be a huge difference uh, for the Jags. And because these guys are interchangeable pieces, it'd be fun for Doug Peterson to kind of play uh, games with defensive coordinators as he's moving people around the chessboard. Yeah. I'm excited to see what it looks like there. Um, and look, the AFC is stacked. It's going to get get us to what we're going to be talking about here in a little bit on today's show. We're going to uh, do a series of drafts as we go through the offseason here. I think it's a fun way to kind of talk about the top players in the league. So we'll start with the most important position, which is the quarterback position. We, we go five rounds, so we each uh, end up with five quarterbacks. So we'll draft some quarterbacks of what we expect going into next year. No, no lifetime achievement awards, just what we're looking forward to seeing from these guys <laughs> in the coming season. Um, we're going to bring back a popular segment that we used to do called Hits and Misses, where I will go back and uh, I'll give you some notes um, on players that uh, I got wrong, as well as some of them that I got right. And we'll see if Buck and uh, and you at home while you're listening or on the on your workout or however you're consuming this podcast, maybe you're commuting, um, see if you can guess along with him and uh, see if you can figure out who we're talking about uh, on the Hits and Misses. But before we get to all of that, Buck, um, one of the things about this time of year that I love, and I know you do too, uh, the the learning opportunities that exist. I'm, I'm anxious to talk to you about some books. You know, what what can we uh, get into and dive into here in the off season? Always trying to learn uh, more in terms of the leadership space. Uh, you know, obviously from a football standpoint, how can we continue to grow in, in what we do, and especially you with your knowledge as a coach and continuing to build on what you've already accomplished in your field there. Um, but one of the projects I like doing is I like getting on uh, next gen stats and seeing, I look for some Easter eggs. Like what can I find on here? Maybe there's some players and I think we'll do this throughout the off season. So may- maybe some like secret, secret superstars, maybe I don't know what we would call this, but guys that when you look at some of the information and then that leads you to the tape to go watch some cutups and watch some clips mm-hmm. and see if we might have something. So this is the rabbit hole that I went down uh, a few days ago and I'll, I'll take you with me here. 
pass rushers. We always we always talk about quarterbacks and pass rush on here. That's championship formula. That's how you win in this league. So looking at pass rushers, I was like, okay, let me go to our tried and true stat that we've talked about forever, which is if get off is everything, mm-hmm. you know, one of the most important factors for a pass rusher. We've talked about this a bunch. It's been documented over the years. That's a key indicator. So when we go back and look at at the get off leaders, and I, I did this with just edge guys, so let's just focus on edge leaders. And I put in the in the uh, in the computer. Okay, let's go minimum of five sacks. So you got to have some production here, mm-hmm. um, and then let's look uh, of those guys above five sacks. There's a whole host of them. Who has the elite get off? And some interesting little nuggets that I, I want to drop on you here. Number one, Miles Garrett was number one on the list. That shouldn't be a surprise. Mm. Um, we know about how elite he is. Um, number three was Josh Sweat. Uh, number four was Trey Hendrickson. Five is Justin Houston. Then you have TJ Watt, Carl Lawson, Vaughn Miller, and Gakway, who's been on the, the, this list forever. He's always had a great uh, get off. Epinesa, kind of a, a surprising one mm. there. And then Nick Bosa. So that's kind of that top group. And then Bosa's followed by Max Crosby. Now, I left out number two on purpose, and I left out the one right after Max Crosby on purpose. So number two on the list, if you think about guys getting off the rock, coming off the edge, number two, the, the second best get off in the NFL was Chris Jones. Think about that. Wow. At his size, they play him out on the edge. Remember, it was all like, why would you yeah. play him out? He's so dominant mm-hmm. and destructive on the inside. Dude, he's got the second best get off in the NFL behind Miles Garrett at that size that he is. Six that's foot crazy. six, 300 pounds. Like, that's insane. That shows you just what an athletic freak that dude is. Yeah, it is. And it's funny, um, you mentioned get off, and we talk about, you know, the number one thing when it comes to pass rush is how quick do you get off the ball? Because it's immediate pressure on the offensive tackle when you're dealing with an edge guy. Uh, and get off is not only the athletic explosiveness that you show coming out of your stance, but it's the ability to anticipate the snap count is the ability to kind of see it and key it and, and go It's the little tips that you get off the ball squeeze and all that other stuff. Um, it is one of the things that when you look at elite pass rushers, it's hard to be elite if you don't have great get off. I mean, it's just too hard. And the guys who have exceptional get off like the Von Millers of the world uh, when Von was in his prime, those guys are nearly impossible to block over the course of a game. And so when you bring up Miles Garrett, I'm not surprised. Chris Jones, yes, a surprise. But to me, it's the other guys that you bring up, the guys that weren't necessarily first round pick, the Josh Schwetz of the world, uh, yeah. that you bring up Max Crosby, sacks um, last year for Trey, Trey Hendrickson, those guys that come off, guys that have been able to put it up. And so sometimes when you see those guys at the top of the sack leader chart, you wonder, hey, man, is this a one-year wonder? Is this a fluke? But now when you dive deeper, you kind of dig deeper into the stats and the next-gen stuff, you see, nah, maybe somewhere along the line we missed this when it came to looking at their athletic profile, that these guys were exceptional when it came to their ability to generate uh, explosive power at the first 10 yards. Well, I, and I mentioned, okay, there's some Easter eggs, maybe some secret superstars. Well, Chris Jones, not a, that, that's, a known quantity, mm-hmm. that's a known quantity. Mm-hmm. So this, that's not where I'm getting with this because – that led me down a different path. So I, I'm looking at next-gen stats, and I'm looking at this other stat they have there, and it's called like time to hit, right? So what's the mm-hmm. time that elapses between when the snap and when you hit the quarterback? So in other words, this is a way where we can look at not only your get-off, but then your close. And then the third part, which I was talking to a defensive line coach about, and he brought up a great point about this, about how, you know, we always talk about instincts and hands and get-off, all these things. He said, one of the things that, that they've learned and that you look at um, that the elite guys have buck is they, they take a, a excellent rush path. So in other words, understanding angles, how can we get home and how can we mm-hmm. win now? The balls never come out faster than it is right now. I mean, teams are getting the ball out of their hands or trying to protect their quarterbacks. The, the college game is infiltrated in the NFL game. You're getting the ball out. So um, this stat was fascinating to me. So I'm like, okay, let's look at this and let's go time to hurry. And then let's marry that up and see, okay, maybe that's going to marry up with some guys with big-time get-offs. So time to hurry or time to hit, I should say. Um, the number one guy was Josh Sweat, who we just talked about. He's coming off of a year where he had double-digit sacks, had a great year uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Miles Garrett is number four on that list. You start seeing some of these other guys. Brian Burns, who you wouldn't be surprised, mm-hmm. shows up in the top ten on this list. But number two on the list. Now, this guy only had four sacks last year. 
but number two in terms of time to hit and also was just after Max Crosby on the get-off times, and I was just rolling through all those names. Baron Browning is an edge rusher. Remember, he played off the ball at Ohio State. He was like 6'3", 240. He had five sacks for the Denver Broncos last year. But, Buck, he's second in terms of time to hit. He had the five sacks. His get-off is just outside the top ten. So you've got a guy that shows you he's got an elite get-off. He can close. He takes an excellent rush path. And he's got a little bit of baby production here. He's got those five sacks. So I went through and watched him. So I'm like, let me just go watch the cut-up and watch these. Buck, he wins. He wins early. He wins. <laughs> he wins. He can go through you. Surprising power. Like, take about a, a, a rough, yeah. rush path direct path bam they use him as a looper bam close i mean i'm like this dude like the denver broncos might have kind of a secret superstar in the waiting here and a guy like baron browning that was my easter egg that i discovered this week how about that dj like that that's that's incredible one that the stats can lead you to that and quietly you kind of did a little analytics dive into finding a better player and so what you're able to do is what we've said in a perfect world the people who can take the analytics and marry with the film study those are the ones that can go next level. And so there in uncovering an Easter egg, you found someone who maybe it's a reason why the Broncos were very comfortable with what they had in place on defense. Maybe they mm-hmm. knew stuff that we on the outside didn't know in terms of Browning being a guy that can come in and how they can pair him potentially with Randy Gregory and do some of the other things that maybe a creative defensive mind can do. Because remember, Vance Joseph comes over from Arizona to take over that defense. And he hasn't found a blitz that he doesn't like. And so when you think (laughs) about blitzing to not only win uh, decisively, but to create one-on-one matchups, because that's what you're doing when you blitz. You're trying to get everyone matched up one-on-one. Maybe Browning is the secret sauce. He's a superpower. He has the superpower to be a guy that emerges as a superstar in that defense. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you find when you kind of go down this path. And like one of the other things I found in there that was fascinating to me, Look about all the production that Hassan Reddick had last year. Mm-hmm. You know, his teammate Brandon Graham, who had a career year, like kind of under the radar in his you know mid to upper thirties, uh, double digit sacks uh, with the Eagles. His get off time was the same as Hassan Reddick. Like you would look at those two guys and say, uh, Hassan Reddick undersized. I think he's about thirty plus pounds mm-hmm. lighter than Brandon Graham. Obviously younger. Um, but Brandon Graham, like that shows you that to me, when you look at him, he shows up on those lists of somebody who can get off the ball. It doesn't matter what you run a 40. I don't care what you run a 40. Can you can you get off the rock? He does that and he wins early as well. So that that was Sweat and Brandon Graham. And I think we look at Hassan Reddick and all those sacks. Man, they mm-hmm. got a stable. They got a stable of dudes there in Philly. They got a stable of dudes. And so then my thing would be when you when you talk to their D line coaches and those things. How much of that is innate and how much of that can be taught? How yeah. much can you teach get off? How much are you working get off when you're the Philadelphia Eagles? Are you working get off every day in individual drill? Is that something that you're trying to develop with all of your players uh, when they come in? Hey, we're going to put our hand in the dirt. This is how we get off. This is how we come off low, flat back, all this other stuff. Because to have three guys that you talk about kind of like yeah. in that close proximity to the list, it's not only athleticism, particularly when you got Brandon Graham, an older player, yeah. there's something that they're doing to help their guys get off the ball. Well, well you know how you, you say this all the time, you, and you've talked about this from high school level to college level to the NFL level. Like, hey, you're thinking you're not playing fast. Like, if, oh, if you yeah. are so complex, you, you cannot play fast. Like, get athletes, find athletes, and make it simple and let them go. And so what I'm my takeaway from that is like, Hey, they are they are an attack. They are an attack front. Thinking we'll let the other other teams think we are going to get off the rock and we are going to attack. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense because, uh, gosh, I've heard uh, Dan Quinn talk about that. He talked about back in the Seattle days with Cam Chancellor. They just had a a whoop tail defense. Sometimes, like, <laughs> hey man, look, we're not going to put a lot of scheming in it. Look, we're just going to whoop them. And yeah. sometimes that whooping is like, we're better than you. We're just going to line up and we're just going to out-physical you or we're going to come off the ball and be more explosive than you. And there is something to that. DJ, when you go back and you study all the great coaches in NFL history, the Chuck Knowles, the Don Shulas, the Vince Lombardis, they say the game is not real complicated, man. It's blocking, tackling, it's conditioning, it's, it's playing to the fundamentals. That's what it is. And so as simple as you can keep it true to those adages, the better chance you have of winning a ton of games. Like make the game very, very simple for your players and they're going to respond in kind because they're going to play fast. They're going to know exactly what to do and how to do it. 
you know who else plays that way? The Niners. Same, same, same philosophy. No, but they they use the phrase right: rush, crush, close. That's it. Like that's all we're <laughs> that's all we're doing. Rush, crush, and close. Read is a four-letter word. We are not sitting. We are not reading. And if you look at that game between those two teams, look look at how they hit the quarterbacks. I know Brock Purdy. They knocked him out of the game. All that, all that, you know, stretch boot and stuff. Buck, they blew it up. They blew yeah, not, it up. Yeah, they just not, went, went to the mesh point. Like, hey, and it's almost like when you watch teams de- defend zone read. Like, we're mm-hmm. going to slow play it. We're going to like no, no, no go, we, no, no, we no, are go. Going. Because what you do when you do that, you put the you flip it. You put the pressure back on the offense. You put the pressure back on the quarterback to make decisive reads in a hurry. And so rather than you slow playing, now the quarterback is having to make quick decisions because you, hey, you're just going to blow it up. And so, yeah, take the take the pressure off your guys and put it on the opponent. You want to keep the opponent under pressure. And one way that you can do that is by getting a defense and an offense that can play fast. And the only way you can play fast is by simplifying whatever it is you're doing. Not only simplifying the scheme, but simplifying the thoughts that you're giving to your players when they're in their stances. Yeah, I mean that was. Uh, I think there's a good takeaway from that. So, anyways, that was that was something that was just my little study. I know you you always get a kick out of that stuff. Oh, so I like we'll that stuff. To do that as we go through the off season, I'm gonna play around. I love next gen stats. My guy Bill Smith has got me dialed in with with all the numbers we can get from them. So um, I enjoyed that little nugget and uh, and took us down to a. Uh, an interesting road, an interesting conversation. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to do this draft thing, and then we're going to do some hits and misses. We'll get to the quarterbacks and uh, our draft with what we think, what we believe are going to be the 10 best quarterbacks in the National Football League next year. We'll do that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Buck. Uh, let's, uh, Let's rock and roll here. We're going to do quarterbacks. Um, we're going to go five rounds and this is the way we'll do this for all the positions, but maybe see, you know, Hey, maybe there's some surprises here again. This is for next year. This is not necessarily lifetime achievement award. Um, but I thought this would be a good way to talk about some different teams and different players as we head, uh, towards the 2023 season. So let's, uh, let's get this thing cranked up. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to no, no, uh, give you the no, no, you get first, you get first pick. Cause it doesn't you matter who has pick? first pick. Cause the first pick is going to be the same person who, are, who regardless of who it is at quarterback. So we you don't know need to spend is. much time on that. <laughs> so if you're, gonna, you're a gentleman. You're, you're a kind gentleman. You're going to give me Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. Um, no, I mean, on schedule, off schedule, you know, the thing with him, um, I, I think that people don't understand how hurt he was. Like that ankle was jacked up up and he went out there and just willed his team to another super bowl incredible man no it's incredible so it's incredible in a few different uh aspects the conversation prior to the season when they let tyreek hill walk everyone's like oh my god how are they going to be able to do this yada 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 like you got an all pro receiver and this and that you can't replace him he's one of one and what they did is they actually removed the crutch from patrick mahomes they Mm -hmm. made patrick mahomes actually expand his game and become a better quarterback because before it was easy. My guy on the perimeter is better than your guy. I'm just going to throw it up. I'm going to play the matchup game. Well, now you remove that piece. He now has to read the defense. He now has to work the progressions and really utilize all of the options that are included in each route concept. And it made him a more dangerous player. And so as Patrick Mahomes gets older and he's able to rely less on his athleticism and his physical gifts and more on his mind and his understanding of what's going on, he is going to be a more dangerous player. And to me, I believe Andy Reid had the confidence to do that. When we were in Green Bay, I got there after uh, Sterling Sharp was uh, injured and his career ended. But for Brett Favre, when Sterling Sharp had to go away, he then had to become a better quarterback because he had to utilize all the things. Andy Reid was there for all of that. I think he saw this as an opportunity to help his quarterback become even better. And what you've seen is a guy that is an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP. 
no doubt. Um, so that was a, that was an easy one here. Uh, you're up here with pick number two. So pick number two is is tough, right? Um, because I'm sitting here, I'm gonna go with Joe Burrow from the Cincinnati Bengals, and part of the reason why I'm gonna go with Joe Burrow, it has nothing to really do with the talent. It has all to do with the composure, the confidence, and the swagger that he has infused into the Cincinnati Bengals since he stepped onto the scene. You got to remember when we're in the scouting world, we always talk about or, or we talk to coaches who say, man, I won't give me winners. I want guys to come from winning programs because what they do is they change the culture in the locker room. And there are a couple of leader, types of leaders, and he is what we call a thermostat leader. The, room, the, temp- the temperature changes in the room when he walks in. And what Joe Burrow has been able to do in Cincinnati is to take a downtrodden franchise. And, yes, he's surrounded by the terrific weapons, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, all those things. But Joe Burrow is the straw that stirs the drink. His ability to play point guard in a fast-break offense makes this team dangerous. And when he said, mm, our Super Bowl win is for as long as I play, basically, to me that is everything. Because when your quarterback feels like that and has that level of confidence, your team feeds off of that. And so Joe Burrow, to me, is right behind Pat Mahomes. I'm going to take him with my number one overall pick because he has everything that you look for in the position, outstanding playmaker, leader, and he has that clutch factor that you have to have to be at league quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's gone toe-to-toe with Mahomes and and more than held his own uh, multiple times here. So he's got the better of it when you look at the career marks there. So uh, I, I love Joe Burrow. I love his game. I think there's another level to it. I think there's even another mm-hmm. level he can take it to, and I'm – I expect him to get there this year. Um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the home team here. I'm gonna go with Herbert with my second pick, and I'm gonna give you a couple reasons why. Uh, nobody ever doubts the skill set of Justin Herbert. You're talking about rare size uh, to go along with the arm strength, the athleticism, the intelligence, the toughness. Like these are things that he has that are elite, elite, elite off the charts stuff. But the reason why I'm going to go with him in this spot, I mean, there's some other really talented guys uh, there, you know, to, to choose from because of what we preach and what we've preached on the pod for years now in terms of quarterbacks taking the next step and quarterback development. We looked at the P's. We looked at your play caller. We looked at your playmakers. We looked at your protection. You can make a case that with the changes in all three of those areas that Justin Herbert's going to benefit. You look at Kellen Moore coming in. I think those guys are going to mesh very well together with that system. They're almost the same personality, you know, from up in the in the Northwest. Um, guys that were really productive college quarterbacks. I think they have a great relationship. I think you'll see the offense open up a little bit more. So play caller, check. You look at playmakers, well, hopefully you get a, a whole healthy season out of Keenan and Mike. And then you also get Jalen Guyton back off injury who, who can really stretch the field. You draft Quentin Johnson in the first round to throw him into the mix. And you've got Austin Eckler on a contract year uh, with incentive, incentive laden contract, all everything you want with that. So you could say, okay, the playmakers are in better shape. And then finally, the protection. You get all pro left tackle, missed almost the whole season last year, and Rashawn Slater's coming back. So I, I think that everything around him is going to be better. And I think people forget that the, the hit that Herbert took early in the year, week two against Kansas City with that rib cartilage, um, never mm-hmm. got better. He had shoulder surgery on his left shoulder in the offseason. He was playing through ribs. He was playing through a shoulder. Lost his left tackle. Receivers were injured. Like, all that stuff. And still played pretty well. Uh, I think this could be an MVP-type season from Justin Herbert, provided everybody stays healthy, which I know with the Chargers is a dangerous thing to say. Well, well I mean, it's not a dangerous thing to say. The quarterback is good enough to, to warrant that. I mean, there is an argument to be made that Justin Herbert could be in the conversation to be QB1 of the National Football League if everything goes well. If the team matches him where he's at, we would have that conversation. He is the prototype. DJ, when we were scouting for a long time, Justin mm-hmm. Herbert is how you would draw him up. Like if the general manager came and said, what, what does a QB1 look like? It looks like Justin Herbert is 6'4", 6'5", has big-time arm talent, has athleticism, has high IQ, can do things. Uh, on script, off script. Every time you look at Justin Herbert, is that he's one of the few prospects that I've seen that is a much better pro than college player. He oh, yeah. is so different as a as a pro player than he was as a collegian that it doesn't make sense. And so when everyone is mad, like, oh man, how can this guy be fifty six overall pick? Well, because you didn't really see all of this at Oregon. You might have saw little flashes, but not the player that he's become with the Chargers. And so. I understand why he goes up there. And you're right. 
if he clicks with Kellen Moore and all the weapons they have and if they stay healthy, because that's always been the big issue. Yeah. We're going to have a conversation about Justin Herbert being an MVP candidate. No, I, that's I, that's where I am with him. So we'll see how this season goes. All right, you got some interesting names left on the board here. Plenty of interesting oh, names. Oh, man, there's so many names. There's so many names here, right, because you got Jalen Hurts. Uh, you, you have so many. But I'm going to go right now. I'm going to go with Josh Allen. I'm going to go yep. with Josh Allen because I'm still a believer in the Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia. I'm still a believer in his talent and the unique things that he brings to the table as, man, let, let's call it a supersized dual-threat playmaker who can win with his arms or his feet. We have seen him do Cam Newton-like stuff in the running game, big physical power runner coming downhill. We've seen him in the red zone. There are few that can put the ball in the paint like he can as a runner. But there are also a few guys that can play like he does as a gunslinger. And when you look at the connection that he has with Stefan Diggs and how he has been able to play uh, for the last three years, he has shown – I mean, he's kind of upset the apple cart when it comes to the scouting community and what we thought about quarterbacks. We thought that quarterbacks couldn't improve their accuracy and ball placement. And even though he's kind of come back to the pack a little bit when it comes to the accuracy, this still, in a one-game scenario, it's hard to find a better quarterback that you would lean on than Josh Allen. This dude is a one-man show. And if given just a little bit of talent on the outside, he has proven that he can win games. When he's surrounded by the all-star cast, this team is what they are, a team that is look worthy of being in consideration as a Super Bowl team, even though they haven't got it done. It certainly hasn't been Josh Allen's fault. No, they got to take a little off him. You know, he's had to do too much there, especially in the run game. Take a little bit off that uh, off his plate there. Maybe Dalton Kincaid, you know, some of the inter intermediate short passing stuff, he'll be able to help as well as they mix him in um, to a very, very good offense that they have there in Buffalo. I like that pick. Uh, to me, the fifth guy, and I'll, I'll wait for your reaction on this one. But I feel like this is clear cut. These are the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, how we have them coming off the board. You can rearrange the order. But to me, this feels like the five guys. Uh, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts here with my next pick. So that gives mm -hmm. us Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Allen, Hurts. Those to me feel like the big five. Like we have yeah. other guys we'll get to as we go through here. And you can have the debate with Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. uh, we can about does Deshaun Watson get back to what he was obviously Aaron Rodgers a couple MVPs four of them actually uh in his past but a little bit older I think he all those guys start factoring in after this but to me it feels like these are the five guys and Jalen Hurts coming off an unbelievable season um he's got to be right there in the mix again as somebody you feel like could be an MVP uh at any moment in time here the way he's developed so rapidly Absolutely. He has to be in the list. DJ, I was debating taking him uh, over Josh Allen. Like, that's where we're at. Uh, based on because what we're doing is not a lifetime achievement award. We're talking about here and now. And what good scouts are able to do is, hey, man, let's separate what someone was and let's talk about what he is right now. And there's Jalen Hurst. If he doesn't get injured, maybe he wins the MVP last year. What he's been able to do as a runner and thrower is nothing short of remarkable. The way that he has steadily improved from the time he left Oklahoma and, until the time he took Carson Wentz's job and the way that he steadily improved under Nick Sirianni, he has to be in the conversation. To me, he is the – look, he's the model of what you want at the position in terms of his demeanor, the leadership ability he conveys, the work ethic that I mean, they talk about he displays. Yeah, he's everything. He's a self-made man when it comes to how he has made himself into a top five pick. He's worthy of being in that conversation. My favorite nugget on him is the dude shows up to work with a briefcase. Like it's, <laughs> 90, like it's 1985. Like, that's it, man. That's it. That's a businessman. That is, this is his job, and he treats it as such. First one in, last one out every day. Not ever going to be outworked, and you see it. Uh, the results are there for him. So those are the top five guys here. Uh, you've got your third pick coming up. Where are you going to go? Man, D DJ, this is tough, right? Because the names that you mentioned, like now we're, we're a little more into speculation because it's not exactly proven and clear cut. But I'm going to put Aaron Rodgers right here. I'll take yeah. him at six and I'll put him at six. And a lot of this is really on hope that he'll bounce back and be the player that he once was. Um, look, he, he dipped a little bit last year. And I know people are talking about the supporting cast, but he didn't play great. And so what 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 I'm banking on is that he has something to prove. We've already heard about him being at OTAs, stuff that he didn't attend in the last few years with the Green Bay Packers. So he certainly doesn't want to go out like a sucker. So he's going to play well for the New York Jets. And so this year in particular, 
He's going to do it very much like Tom Brady. When Tom Brady left to go to Tampa, he had a little something to prove. He never said it, but you knew it was inside. He wants to prove the people in Green Bay that, hey, man, I still have it. I'm still one of the ones. And so I'm going to take him here because a very motivated Aaron Rodgers could be a very dangerous Aaron Rodgers. Well, I mean, I, I don't know year two what that looks like. Year one, I'm buying. Um, I, I, I'm oh, yeah. I, I yeah. think he's going to have a good year this year, man. Yeah, for for this year? Yes, this year he, he'll bounce back because um, it's, it's personal to him. And not only personal, he's prideful. And, DJ, yeah. when you're a, a player like him who has pride, he is not going to mess it up. They may not uh, accomplish their goals, but it won't be because Aaron Rodgers didn't pour in. He has already done more this offseason with the Jets than he's done the last two offseasons with the Packers when it came to the connectivity that is necessary for the team to win. When you see him hanging around the young players, you see him kind of jumping in OTAs and being around and doing that. To me, that's a veteran that wants to make sure he puts on a very uh, impressive show when he takes the field for the Jets this fall. No doubt. Um, what's the phrase? I think it was Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit, right? No, Is that no, what we're going no here? risk it, no risk it, no I biscuit. I feel like I, I feel very – I've been very chalky uh, through this, mm-hmm. and now – I'm to the point where I'm willing to take, you know, let's take the driver out take of the bag. And swing. Yeah, let's take a swing here because um, Lamar Jackson would be the obvious pick. He's got MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's been healthy, he's been excellent. But I will say I don't know what this looks like with Todd Monk, and I, I know they've added these pieces around him. The offense is going to be different. We've only really seen him in one offense. I'm curious to see what it looks like here um, mm-hmm. in this new version. The Ravens are, are – uh, uh, chasing kind of a new identity offensively. I just I don't have quite as much confidence. I, it might be great. It might be off the charts. But I do know one thing. Where you are in Jacksonville right now, I've seen that quarterback with that play caller and how that's meshing, and I'm seeing where this is going. We talked at the top. You mentioned Calvin Ridley and what he means uh, mm-hmm. potentially to this offense, adding him to the mix. I'm going to buy I'm gonna buy on Trevor Lawrence and maybe take him a little bit higher than, uh, than maybe, maybe the track record would suggest, but this is about this year coming forward. I think Trevor Lawrence has a monster year. I'm going to go with the big dude from Clemson. I'm with you right there because the debate for me at number six is, is it Trevor Lawrence, is it Aaron Rodgers? Do you give Aaron Rodgers the nod because of what he's done and what you're hopeful that he can do? Or do you give Trevor Lawrence his just due? The thing about Trevor, and I'll say this, to me, and when we were having the the coming out, I compared Trevor Lawrence to Justin Herbert. To me, I see – one in the same. I see guys who can do similar things. I see guys who have similar stature. They're both six Maybe. foot six monsters. Yeah. Herbert, I think, has a stronger arm. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know how much stronger, but it, it appears to be stronger. But Trevor Lawrence, to me, is, is Justin Herbert. Uh, he can do those things. And in time, given the, the, the cast that he has around him, I think you're going to see him do some of that stuff. And so Trevor Lawrence goes your way. I'm going to take Lamar Jackson. And mm-hmm. a lot of this is sight unseen. I have a lot of faith in Lamar Jackson, former MVP. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he comes back and in this offense because I remember Lamar Jackson at Louisville. And I remember how he played at Louisville. And everyone talked about the back-to-back years with over 1,500 rushing yards. But in Bobby Petrino's system, he put up a bunch of n- numbers and a bunch of points. And so mm-hmm. for Todd Monken coming in, running a traditional pass game, and, yeah, they use some of that. Eventually, Lamar Jackson had to graduate to an offense like this if he's going to be able to play at a high level at the end of the deal that he just signed. And so the challenge would be, can Lamar Jackson meet them halfway? Can he meet the expectations that the Ravens have for him to grow and to make all these things happen as a passer? I'm going to say he's able to do it, even though we didn't put him in the top five. Some of that is because the asterisk. Eh, let's see what this offense looks like yeah. because you're still waiting health, to see. Because health and, health and a new offense. I mean, that's it. Those are I mean, legit yeah, questions. Yeah, I mean, and and let's, Rashad Bateman, OBJ, um, Zay Flower. Like, th- there's a lot of questions, but yeah, he deserves to be up in there. So that's why I'll take him right now. All right. Um, I, I mean, I think again, we talked about the top five being clear cut. I feel like to me, the top eight, like these are the eight names. However, you want to jostle these guys around, those feel like the the eight guys, and especially like those last three: Rodgers, Lawrence, Lamar Jackson. You know, I wouldn't have any any mm-hmm. issue with however you stack those three guys, but that to me feels like that clump, that next clump. Now, I think the it's kind of wide open where you go from here after these eight guys, and so it's whether you want to go with somebody mm-hmm. who's done it in the past, who maybe is 
you know, age injury, or do you want to go with somebody you're kind of betting on taking that next step and going forward? Um, you did it with Rogers banking on previous success and then, and then thinking that, you know, we got another shot at this thing. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take that same approach. Uh, I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford here with the next mm, one. And I feel like okay. it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind, but the last time we saw him really, really healthy, um, the guy's ho- hoisting Super Bowl trophy he played out of his mind uh, in a couple of those games, especially think about the Tampa game, what he mm-hmm. did making clutch plays late in that one. So I know the Rams, they're they're not rebuilding, reloading, whatever you want to call it. They're not a super talented team, but offensively, I still think when you look at Cooper Cup, who he's going to be able to get the ball to, Akers in the backfield, McVay calling plays. He's if, if he stays out there and stays healthy, I think Stafford has a really good year. Yeah, I, I think he could have a good year. I mean, here's the one thing that's undeniable. I remember watching him in Detroit. Uh, he has always been a guy who can sling it all over the yard. He can give his team a chance just on the strength of his right arm. Uh, that'd be ugly for the Rams because they don't have much around him, but no. he's certainly talented enough. And so you talked about things in the past, kind of giving you confidence that Matthew Stafford could bounce back. I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Part of that is it was ugly last year. But part of the reason it was ugly last year, when you have a year off, I don't care what position you play. I don't care how talented you are. Being away from the NFL for a year, the, the rust just just falls on your game. And then you think about the pressure that was on Deshaun Watson, because let's be honest and frank, Deshaun Watson has never had to play the villain role. You know, there's no. certain guys that can be uh, the guy that wears the black hat. It reminds me of when LeBron James went to Miami and everyone – vilified him for the decision and he came out and he tried to play the bad guy, but that's not who he is. Deshaun Watson is not the villain. And so I think that really messed with his game, like all of that stuff. I believe he's in a better frame of mind now. Year two in Kevin Stefanski's system, I expect him to play better. The other thing that will help him play better, the players around him. Amari yeah. Cooper being there, Elijah Moore being there, what they've done with the offensive line and those things. He'll play better. I expect Deshaun Watson to play at a high level. Remember two years ago when he played last for the Houston Texans, he was a top five quarterback. He can get back to that level on the Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they've got some dudes. I mean, they've got some pretty good pieces around him. Um, That'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Well, there you have it. Uh, I came away with Mahomes, Herbert, Hurts, Lawrence, Stafford. Buck, you had Burrow, Allen, Rodgers, Lamar, Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. So, those are the 10. Feel free to debate it. Let us know. Uh, I'm sure you guys have some issues with uh, with how they came off the board. I think they're great. I think those are the 10 best no, guys. No. Ooh, I, I would argue I didn't for even anybody. know. I didn't know. I didn't even know we got the 10. So, DJ, yeah. some notable misses. No Dak yeah. Prescott. No nope. Dak Prescott in the top 10. But the crazy thing is, you know, we talk about how loaded the, the league is, right, uh, with these young quarterbacks. But, you know, you could make a case. Like, if that's the top 10, you could say, okay, people talk about Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins. And I think in your head, it's yeah. easy to say Kirk Cousins is probably the 18th best quarterback. And I'm like, really? You can find – where are the other seven guys you're going to put ahead of him now? Like, yeah. Kirk Cousins is a top 14 quarterback So look, look, okay, everyone loves to poke fun at Jerry Goff. Jerry Goff can be in that conversation. He's in I mean, that like, next like, – Like, so – so because I'm sitting there looking at Dak Prescott, Jerry Goff, Geno Smith, all – like it's it's just you know, really, Russell Wilson, you know, after that year, it's hard to put him in there. It's hard to put him in there. But the other thing, DJ, if you don't take Matthew Stafford of yeah. the top 10, I think Jalen Hurts is the only NFC quarterback. How about that? Yeah. If you don't take Matthew Stafford, like that's that's what we're that's talking about. And, and so we're, and so when we're talking about Super Bowls and teams and those things. Boy, that road to entry in the AFC. Yeah, how do you get there if you don't have one of these guys? How do you do it? <laughs> how are you going to do it? You beat one of them in the playoffs. You're not going to beat three of these guys in the playoffs. There's no way. No chance. NFC is wide open. You feel good. You're the Detroit Lions. Hey, why not? Why not us? Jerry Goff, you can make the case. Jerry Goff is the second best quarterback in the NFC. That 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 will be the conversation that you have. And you talk about him you, and you talk about yeah. what he can do with Ben Johnson and those things. The NFC is wide open. I think that's why a lot of people are bullish on Detroit. When you look at the quarterback play, he has to be one of the top three in the conference. And so you put him in there, he gets high, that offense gets high, and they just play a little better on defense. Yeah, it's a problem. You know, you know the other thing that stood out to me on this little project is we don't have Kyler Murray in there. And now you look at Arizona. Not only would we 
you can make the case it's the least talented team in the NFL, but they've paid the quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. man, you're locked into a quarterback who we don't believe is a top 10 quarterback in the league. You paid him handsomely. And all, he's also hurt. Um, but, man, that's a tough place to be in an organization. You don't have a whole lot of talent. You've got a quarterback that isn't a top 10 player that you're committed to in a big, big way financially. Not a good place to I be. I know. I know, man. And that's, and that's the thing. And that's – we talk about the number going up for the quarterback, the marketplace. Uh, DJ, who's going to hold firm on some of these quarterbacks coming down the pipe? Like, yeah. Not going to do but, it. Not going to pay him. A little, little too rich for my blood. It would be interesting. It would be interesting to see. Um, all right. You want to play some hits and misses before we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We're going to do – we'll do a, a draft class in episode. So, we'll go back to 2016. This is going to be hard to kind of rack your brain on some of these guys. Uh, so I'm going to do I'll, – I'll start off with the misses, all right? I'm going to give you – we'll go through quickly here. I'll give you three misses, and uh, and then we'll see if you can come away with them. All right? They, we're going to do two safeties, okay? Two safeties from the 2016 draft. So you can pull it up if you want to pull it up. I don't know if you got on your computer there, Buck, if you can pull up that that draft class. Um, but uh, I'll give you the height, weight, speed, and I'm just going to do some of my uh, – uh, notes that I put in the computer. I'm not going to read the full report. It takes too long. Um, first one here. All right. This guy uh, is a safety. He was 6023202. He ran 461. Not a great 40 time. Uh, played as the high safety, which he continues to do in the NFL. Uh, he's got excellent range. He can cover tight ends. He takes good angles. Also has a background as a returner. Um, thought he was an inconsistent tackler. Thought he was a catch tackler. And then you combine that with maybe not elite, you know, speed, play speed. Um, so I gave him a third round grade. Um, and this player mm. has gone on to go to multiple Pro Bowls. He was drafted in about that range. I have to go back and look and see when he was picked. Um, he was not he was not a first or second round pick. I don't believe mm. I can put that up. But he is uh uh he is someone that's been an outstanding player. So I, I missed on him. I should have given him a higher grade. Wow, DJ, I'm sitting here looking in the range and like the only guy that's in that range is like Kevin Byard, but I don't think that's that's not Kevin Byard. Yeah, it's not who you're talking about. Kevin Byard. That is um let's see where he is here. That oh. was a third round pick. He was number ninety eight overall, and he went to a team in the AFC West. Oh, I see you. I see who it is. Justin Simmons. Justin wow. Simmons, been a great player, man. Great Justin player. Simmons. It's another lesson, right? Good reminder: safeties forty times can be a little. You get don't get too carried away because if you have if you have great speed and slow eyes, you're no good. If you have great eyes and average speed, you can be you can be an all pro. Okay, okay. I know you can put. This, I'm gonna wait until you do the next safety because DJ, I'm looking at the safety class. You already you already said it, so you stole you stole my thunder on the next. Oh, uh, I saw you. Yeah, I saw you. Yeah, I'll give the next one because this one on Bayard. I was lower on him than than on Simmons, but on Bayard again, he ran four six flat. So he was five eleven two twenty two. He ran four six flat. So both those guys are four six safeties. Uh, my notes on him: he's a he's a center fielder. He can read and locate and play the ball. Um, he's got excellent instincts. Had issues with his angles to the alley um, and some of the inconsistency as a tackler. So two guys, if they really kind of read similarly, center fielders find and play the ball. They ran in the four sixes, but both guys, Buck, just had excellent instincts and ball skills, and that's that's the name of the game back there. That is the name of the game, and he has been a terrific ball hawk. I mean, he is a guy that just understands see ball, get ball, makes plays on it, just a terrific job. The thing that I was going to say about the safety class, I'm looking at the safeties that came out that year. So you have Carl Joseph, West Virginia, went to the Raiders at 14. Keanu Neal goes to the Falcons. He's been a pro playing player. linebacker now. Yeah, playing linebacker. Um, there's Sean Davis from Maryland who, who ended up going to Pittsburgh in, in the second round. Von Bell, who's been a good player, went to New Orleans. Uh, Kevin Byard, as you just mentioned. Uh, Darian Thompson, third round from Boise State. It's, you know, it's just a really a random class. Right? It's just just. Grab uh, I'm going to give you one more. So those are two safeties I was too low on. This is a quarterback I was too high on, and relatively speaking, he was my 28th overall player. Um, so this is my huge. Uh, here he is, 6065-244-486. Huge arm, lots of RPOs, throws a beautiful deep ball, 
Um, the concerns with him, he never gets past number two in the progression. It's one or two or he's done. Um, so I didn't love him. He was my 28th overall guy. In hindsight, it was too high. Um, he is out of the NFL right now. Must be Paxton. Is that Paxton? Who's that? That's that. Say it with a little. Say it with a little confidence there. Because I'm looking. Oh yeah, I'm looking. I'm trying to look at the, the wiki page. Paxton Lynch, yep. hey, DJ. But here, here's the thing about that, right? He was my 28th player. He was a 26th pick. He should not have been a first round pick in hindsight. No, but here, here's the thing to go back to. Um, the bowl game because I think you wouldn't saw him in the bowl game. I right? went Did saw you go see the bowl game. That was a turnoff, man. That's why I was the turnoff higher because there was talk about him being a top five pick. And I, I remember, I remember, bowl game. I was like, uh-uh. I remember, I remember you going to the bowl game. Now he had to play with his interim coach because I think Fuentes had left to take the Virginia Tech job. They played, and so I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and so so he 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 has to play it. And you talked about how he sat on the bench by himself, himself, didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Didn't even really communicate with the coaches. And it was an interim coach who was kind of taking over, and it was like no bueno. And, you know, the thing about quarterbacks, man, we talk ourselves into one. When you're desperate and looking for one, that's when you make bad decisions. And when you look at – you go back and now, DJ, because I've seen him play like either USFL or XFL or whatever, and you you look at him like, man, how? How on earth was he ever given the grades that he was given? But, yeah, it's it's just one of those things, man, desperation – breeds some of that uh, guessing and uh, misevaluation because you're just so desperate for a quarterback. All right. Uh, so don't guess this one until I get through it because you're going to know it. But uh, this was my number one player in this draft. He was a tackle. He was 6'5", 310. Um, he's got excellent eyes. He can locate. He can latch in space. He's got foot quickness. He's got excellent balance. He's got a strong punch. He can torque and turn. He can redirect easy. Thought he was the best player in the entire draft. Man, torque and turn. He's you he can't be talking about. It. Yeah, both both was your number one player. No, no offense. This is an offense. 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 Well, see, not Ron. You, you couldn't have Ronnie Stanley. You, you didn't have Ronnie Stanley as your best player. I don't remember that conversation. Offensive tackle. Larry Tunsil. Yeah. Who? Larry Tunsil. I feel like you just got to have a little more confidence in your guesses, man. You're saying it. Larry, not with your chest. Larry Tunsil was your number one player? Larry Tunsil was my number one player in the draft. If not for the gas mask, he'd have gone way higher than he did. He's a highest paid. He's he's a highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. I mean, the gas mask. The only thing I can say about that, you you wouldn't know this because you were uh, on the big set. Here's the thing: I was sitting beside Money. Money and I are incredulous. What is going on? Because we don't know on yeah. Twitter. Like we hadn't seen the video of the thing. Like what is going on? Like why? There must be something. And then you see the match. You're like, yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what Gio could take. <laughs> Tough one. Different times now, though. Different times now. A lot more accepted. I don't think it would have been as big of a deal uh, if it happened right now. But no, I thought he was. A, I thought he was the best player in the draft, and he's he's been unbelievable. I mean, he's he's literally on a Hall of Fame track. The way he's playing, um, oh, man. he's been paid like a Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah. All right. The next one. Uh, all right. This is a defensive tackle. He got picked almost exactly where I had him, so I'm counting it as a hit. Um, second round pick, uh, defensive lineman, six oh five six three ten, ran five oh three. Uh, plays DT and 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 over the nose. He's got pure power. He can hold the point. He's got excellent get off. He's explosive. Um, has a nice arm over. Just plays a little bit high uh, at times. But I had him in the thirties. He went in the thirties, and he's been a home run player. Mm. Defensive. Oh, I feel that must be somebody that we just talked about. We talked about early in the beginning. I feel it's coming full circle. You're talking about Chris Jones? Is that what you're yes. talking about? That's full correct. circle with the get off? Yeah, but yeah. interesting to see, though, like, right, you go back and look at your notes from 2016, and I mentioned his get off. Now, here we, we just talked at the top of the show. He's got the second best get off in, of any edge rusher in the league last year at yeah. 6056310. I don't think, I mean, as great as he's been, and he's got a couple championships, and I know we talk about him, but maybe not enough. Like, this is an elite, 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 elite player. He is an elite player, dominant player. And I, look, I will give uh, the Chiefs credit for thinking outside the box when it comes to their utilization of him. He has been dominant and disruptive and continues to be and continues to get better. Outstanding player. 
Yep. Last one. Uh, this was an interior lineman who I liked. Played tackle in college. He was 6045, 304, ran 495. Played left tackle. I thought this dude could really roll his hips. He can reach and cut off. Does a nice job of bending, shoots his hands. He can slide and recover. He has excellent instincts. That was the biggest takeaway, which led me to believe I thought he could kick inside and be a really good player, and he has been. Ooh. Looking at these lists, you get me over here. Guess I'm flipping up and down this. Going in the third round, I can pull this up here. Ooh, third round pick. Look at you digging deep. Um, hmm. Third yes, round. Went third round. Third round pick. Was a tackle that converted a guard. So he probably. Oh. Joe. Oh, not Joe. Not Joe Tooney. Not, he played tackle at State? Not Joe Tooney. Yes. Joe Tooney. He, he played tackle at NC State? I believe so. Yes. Gosh. Maybe the State thing threw me out because I don't like State at all. Yeah, he played left tackle. I'm looking at my notes. I just mentioned it there. He wow. Left tackle at yeah. NC State. Wow. He's been, he has been terrific. He has been player. terrific. Yeah, great player. First with the Patriots, now with the like, Chiefs. You always, yeah. In these hits and misses, it's always good to go back and say, okay, what lesson can you take from it? So we've learned a couple lessons today, right? Safeties, um, don't get enamored with the 40 time. Trust, trust the instincts and eyes are more important than your 40. That's a lesson we can learn. And then for tackles that are going to be conversions inside, like if you don't have – if everything happens fast for you at tackle, you got no shot when you kick inside the guard because it is moving in there. So you have to be very instinctive as a tackle to be able to survive moving inside the guard. Yeah. You have to be able to project and do some of those things. He he's been, he's been great. The Patriots were able to really utilize him and then for him to go and solidify the Kansas city chiefs offensive line. He's been as good as advertised. I mean, even better uh, than advertised. Well, hits and misses. We used to have a drop in for that. We used to have a drop for hits and misses. <laughs> I don't even know if that's in the computer anymore. Uh, but anyways, that was uh, that was fun. A little trip down memory lane, and we'll do the 2017 draft in the next episode. Uh, Buck, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? A lot, lot of stuff covered today. Fun conversation. A fun conversation. So, DJ, what I'm working on, I know you always like to know about the, the notebook. I am working on making out uh, my all breakout teams. So we're gonna oh, look nice. at some players that should break out this year. Should be a lot of fun to go through that. Um, you have uh, you have my permission to adopt uh, us as the Baron Browning uh, podcast. I <laughs> know, I know. We may have to do that. Interesting. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us. Hope you guys have enjoyed hanging with us again. Want to ask you again, just as kindly as we can, any uh, any ratings reviews you drop for us on Apple uh, on the podcast on uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you drop us a rating and review, we do appreciate that uh, as well. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time right here on Movie Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.